Radio. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Sharing the gospel with clarity and charity. Happy Holy Thursday. This is the holy hour of power, and this is the holiest week of the of the year. Amen. This is the week that changed the world. We'll be talking about uh, Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. I'm on duty, Terry. What about you? I'm on duty, Jesse. I'm telling everybody, put their seatbelts on, because this is the holiest time of the Catholic liturgical year, Holy Week, like you said. And we're going to be talking about the priesthood because this is what was instituted a long time ago on Holy Thursday. And Jess, we've got so many great readings to teach people about the faith. I've got something from this little flower about a prayer for priests. And we've got storytelling about uh, the value of the priesthood, the Holy Eucharist. Uh, I'm hoping that you folks will like this so much that you'll send the link to your friends who might not be practicing because this is a call to Jesse, myself, a call for conversion to be more intimately connected with Jesus Christ, especially on this Holy Thursday. But just before we get into that, I, I have to just—I I just have to do this as a good news story. And you're probably going to say, "Well, sir, for certain people, it's not that good." Well, you know, just you and I for years have been talking about the Biden administration, even before they, he became president, that it would be a danger to the Catholic faith, and it's proven to be true. Biden's approval rating went down to 33%, and only 26% of independent uh, voters approve of him. And this is really uh, showing, again, that people have buyer's remorse when they, if they did vote for Biden. But my point is, uh, we need to pray for our country and our church, and let's pray that the midterms that are coming up in November will have more value for life than they have in the past. So that's Harry, my can, prayer. Can you imagine only one year into his presidency? Yeah, yeah that's what, the, it's the truth. And you already have this type of uh, buyer's remorse and this type of failure yeah. after only one year. Yeah, that's just a fact, Jess. I just had to bring that up. All right, Brother Jess, that's the good. And then one, one more thing I just want to remind people. Don't forget the men's conference. Jess Romero, Ruben Nava, and myself will be there June 18th at the chapel here. Go to vmpr.org. Uh, women, I say this to the mothers and the, and the wives, get your husband, give him a, a Father's Day gift, send him to a men's conference. I'll tell you, the benefits will be great for you and for the family. I'll tell you why, Terry, because women uh, can't evangelize men nope. it just it, because they don't have the nature to. It just uh, First of all, men don't like to be talked down to by a woman. And if you want to be biblical, I mean, the Bible actually says it's 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 in Corinthians and in Timothy. It says women should be silent before their husbands. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't be wagging your finger and telling them do this, do that. That's not scriptural. I mean, I could give you all kinds of verses that say that. Yep. And so it takes men who love Jesus, love truth, and love the faith to evangelize other men. This is why the Bible says, "Iron sharpens iron." It doesn't say 
one woman sharpens another man. It doesn't say that. No, it doesn't. It says, and one man sharpens another. God knows that it takes the male genus That's right. to evangelize another male because of just the just the, the way we were made. Yeah. Men men were made to exhort, teach, motivate, inspire other men. You nailed it. Jesse, I want to start with a prayer for our priest because our priests today uh, need our prayers more than ever. And this is a prayer I got off the internet from the little flower, St. Therese. She says, well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Oh, Jesus, I pray for your faithful and fervent priests, for your unfaithful and tippet priests, for your priests laboring at home or abroad in distant mission fields, for your tempted priests, for your lonely and desolate priests, for your young priests, for your dying priests, for the souls of priests in purgatory. But above all, I recommend to you the priest dearest to me. Check this out. The priest who baptized me. Thank God for that priest. Pray for him. The priest who absolved me from my sins. The priest at whose masses I assisted and who gave me your body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. The priest who taught and instructed me. All the priests to whom I'm indebted in any other way, especially, and they name the priest. Oh, Jesus, keep them all close to your sacred heart and bless them abundantly in time and in eternity. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Let's Spirit. do it, Jess. Amen. Hey, we got yes. some soul food coming. A little bit of soul food. John chapter 13. Yep, I'm here. Verses 1 to 15. Those are going to be the readings for tonight, for mm-hmm. today's yeah. Holy Thursday night mass. Mm-hmm. And by the way, today, uh, uh, Lent ceases uh, at, at, right before this mass. So it reads, before the feast of Passover, yeah, now we're entering now into what we'd be called the Holy Tritium tonight. <clears throat> before the feast of Passover, which is a Jewish feast, by the way, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, mm-hmm. and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon, the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. Here's something interesting. Some people say, Jesus didn't know who he was in this lifetime until after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. It just said it right there. That's right. T- right there uh, in, in today's Bible verse p- passage. Fully aware, okay, that the Father had put everything into his power. Mm-hmm. Fully aware. He didn't re- know this after the resurrection like some modernists teach. It says, uh, he took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only mm-hmm. my feet, but my hands and head as well. <laughs> Jesus said to him, 
By the way, that's that's just symbolic of baptism. Baptism washes you entirely clean in the interior in your soul. Your soul, every every bit of your soul is entirely washed clean. So this is symbolic of what what happens to the soul. Uh, for he knew, uh, no, whoever is bathed has no need except to have his feet washed. For he who for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. By the way, Terry, that's why exorcists teach that in, on planet Earth, there's only two types of people. Mm-hmm. The clean and the unclean. Wow. Period. That's it. That's it. There's, there's no third category. You're either clean, you're in a state of sanctifying grace, or you're unclean, you're in a state of, sanctify, a state of mortal sin. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when he had washed their feet, and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you, you should also do the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Thursday invites us to a bunch of things, Terry, several things mm-hmm. that we're going to see in the sacred rites tonight. Sure. It's, uh, it's the, it commences the tritium. The, yep. the tritium is commenced with the holy sacrifice of the Mass tonight. And again, that's the night that Jesus Christ, several things happen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest, consecrated bread and wine for the first time into the body and blood of Christ, the first Mass. Uh, the, and, and so the hours tonight, we're going to have, you know, adoration and parishes all over the world we're going to be we're going to be thinking about the first mass what happened tonight and the first communion and we're also going to see the institution of holy orders tonight with the 12 apostles and again we also see the exhortation that we're called to love one another as uh, as i have loved you and we're also called to Again, are you my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. You're called to evangelize my, your brother. You're, you're supposed to practice a spiritual and corporal of works of mercy with those around you. Terry? Well said, Jesse. And I just want to remind everybody that praying for priests is a duty for all of us. Think about it. I'm going to make a, say a little prayer before we break. This is taken from the Praying for the Sanctification of Priests from the Opus Angelorum. We do it every Thursday night here at the chapel. And I love this. I praise you, O God, for all priests in an ineffable way they carry within themselves Christ. They carry his power, his goodness, and his clemency. This is what we believe in. I praise you, O God, for all priests who are bridges for us to cross from the abyss of our sins to reach the promised land. Confession! One more. I praise you, O God, for all priests. They are like Simeon of Cyrene who freely helped Jesus carry the cross, right? The priesthood. I praise you, O God, for all priests in a certain way. They silently suffer all their adversities of the Lord, becoming like a worm, a leper, the refuse of the world. I praise you, O God, for all priests in the Most High, anointing them to proclaim him in his divine humiliation and the lowliness for our sake. Last one, I praise you, O God, for all priests, who are the voice of the infinite mercy of the man God, with whom they are the good shepherd, 
the Good Samaritan, the Lamb, and constantly emulated victim. That's our priesthood. How many priests know that? Well, I hope more and more will know it, Jess. When we come back, I want to give a little note to Fulton Sheen's comment. We'll have a Fulton Sheen message here for Holy Thursday. Stay with us, family. We truly are blessed by the best here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you. We'll be right back, family. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We are blessed by the best. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. And who is the best of the best? Our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, today's... Today, the... the so what is the mass really the the core of the holy eucharist it really never changes no nope. because the mass is holy thursday good friday mm. uh you know holy saturday and easter sunday amen and you know the bishops uh brought these three mysteries together at at the second vatican council and they they gave us kind of a multifaceted description of the mass which recalls the last supper which recalls the sacrifice of the cross and recalls Easter Sunday. And so at every Holy Eucharist, at every Mass, in a, in a real but yet mystical way, we become present to these central mysteries of the faith. If Catholics only realize that Calvary, uh, his, uh, the Last Supper, Calvary, and his resurrection become present at Holy Mass. If we knew that, Terry, oh, we would faint. Jesse, I'm with you, brother. I can't talk enough about the Mass. I just sent you your book, The Catholic Mass, by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. And he articulates the early church, the fathers of the church, pointing out just what you just said and much, much more. But if we really understood the Mass, we wouldn't have 20% showing up for Mass. I, I really believe the issue on the Holy Eucharist, um, that the belief in the real presence, how many Catholics haven't been catechized. And Jesse, I'm going to quote somebody who I don't happen to agree a lot of, but he's, he, he, I'm sure he's doing his best. God will judge him. But he said something that was very profound. And it, it relates to what we're saying. Bishop Barron said, it's a sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. Hmm. A church that is against being precise about its teaching is a corrupt church. I happen to agree with that statement because what's happened, Jesse, is we have songs that say Jesus is in the bread and the wine. Okay, in, in, even the, in the Spanish hymns as well. I've listened to some of the Spanish hymns in the last couple of years. Okay, uh, yeah, it's, they're they're the, Protestant songs in the yeah, Spanish they, hymns at mass. They don't teach the Catholic faith, and so many people today don't believe in the real presence because we have had what I call a corruption of doctrine. We don't think doctrine is that important. It's whatever you think. Don't offend somebody. It's the theme that we've kind of built Virgin Most Powerful on is teach people what Christ teaches perennial. Not, Mary, I, yeah. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to... Take it well, another step. Yeah, I'm going to take it another step because you just said something, okay. but I want to develop that All further. Right. A lot of the uh, 
theological lukewarmness has come into the church and lukewarmness yeah. amongst Catholics yeah. and failure to understand the real presence is because of, uh, you said, poor songs. Absolutely. Abs- absolutely. And I'll, and I'll tell you how, uh, how old this goes, tell how me. long this goes. Yeah. Arius of Alexandria yep. in the fourth century, right. you know how he promoted the heresy of Arianism? <laughs> absolutely. He, he was a musician. Most people don't know that. He was a musician. He was a smart guy, by the way, because Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, still use his arguments. So he was no dummy. <laughs> uh, but he was a musician. Yep. What he did is because most of the people were just simple folk back then, he sung his heresies yep. in small little ditties, you know, yep. small little, yeah, they, you, they, yeah, small little, uh, like, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know because the Bible tells me so. He would, he would, come up with heretical statements denying the divinity of Christ in little short little tunes that the people would start singing. This is how he disseminated 80% of the church not believing in the divinity of Christ. Well, Terry, after the council, after the council, when we left Gregorian chant and, and, and sacred music and we started bringing in Protestant hymns and just a lot of little modern Catholic music. Terry, this is the way the modernist heresy started coming into post-Vatican II. It was through the music. You nailed it. Jesse, Fact, you yeah. nailed it. You nailed it. Because Vatican II says Gregorian chant is supposed to have its proper its, its pride of place. And, and yet so the modernists don't do it. They throw it out. As a matter of fact, Jesse, since we're talking about the Mass, and this is just you and I talking, you know, this, but I'm glad everybody's here, Jess, at the breakfast yeah, nook. Absolutely. Brother... I'm going to bring up another issue about the beauty of the Mass and how we need to better communicate that to the flock, and that is receiving Holy Communion only on the tongue, mm-hmm. not in the hand. That has mm-hmm. undermined the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Bishop Athanasius Snyder, in his book, The Catholic Mass, has a whole chapter on that. And I believe that if we could do two things right now, two things. One, get people to start receiving on the tongue, like no other food that they eat. This is supernatural food. Make a distinction. And number two, turn the priest back towards the altar, ad orientum. Why? Because what's happened, Jesse, and you know it, you've been there. The Mass ends up becoming more of entertainment than worship of God. And the Vatican II documents state the priest turns around to say, the Lord be with you. And so I'm just saying, will the real Vatican II please stand up when it comes to the, the Holy Mass, because so many Catholics have been pushed away to think that what we're doing is we're going to a birthday party. Yeah, uh, Terry, and, and again, this is this is not in the actual documents. This happened. That's right. This whole this whole history of the community in the hand. This happened after 1965. Correct. It's not in the documents nope. of Vatican nope. II. What happened? If you Tell us, yeah. short little history. Give it. Is uh, it, is, is uh, uh, Archbishop Annabel Bunini? Yep. Annabel, by the way, just just that means in Hebrew that means Anna. Uh, Annabel means son of Baal. Wow, Baal I did not was, know that. Baal was a demon god in the Old Testament. Incredible. Annabel Bunini was a Freemason. I can give you several. Uh, oh yeah, a- academic sources that 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 document this. And as a result of him being a Freemason, from 1965 to 1970, he started a post-commission on the Mass because they really didn't get their way. Nope. 
they wanted to they they wanted to deconstruct the mass a lot more than they did uh and so this this ad hoc committee of modernists they're the ones that started writing in these in what's called post conciliar documents how the mass should be celebrated and uh the, it was little by little that piecemeal they started constructing what's come out to today to become the Vatican II Mass. And I'll tell you when it was the first, when they really rolled this out. Called to Action started in Detroit, Michigan in 1976. So Called to Action, this was, you had a bunch of former clergy, you had feminists, habitless nuns, lesbians, homosexuals. They're the ones that took the writings from Annabelle Bonini after Vatican II from 65 to 70, and they started coming up with their, again, they're, they're just disco masses, they're pizza masses, and everything else that you've seen, yep. uh, this was done by Call to Action. And Terry, I know you were you were instrumental in kind of countering this very early on, Mother Angelica, yourself, yeah. and others. Yeah. You guys started a counter movement called Call to Holiness Conferences, and that was to counter called to action which started in detroit michigan in 1976 that's right that's right and just abbot boniface lukey who passed away many years ago was the last father of the second vatican council that worked with bunini and in a three-hour interview that i have on recording people want to get it you know they can get it on our website vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151 he told me to my face, okay? And this isn't just mm-hmm. Romero Terry Brown. This is a man who participated before, during, and after the council. Wow. He was so upset about what took place after the Vatican Council in implementing the teachings of Vatican II. He said, most of us would turn in our graves if we saw communion in the hand, if we saw all the liturgical abuses that are going on. That's not Vatican II. Now, that's a man who, again, was at Vatican II, participated in it before, during, and after, and he's telling me to my face it wasn't supposed to be like this. And so I basically am very firm in saying, Jess, that it was hijacked. Terry, was, I mean, you, you were there interviewing him. Yep. You, you heard him. He's I heard him, right? Of, he's one of many people, Father Murray, yeah, and other friends said, of yours, yeah, sure. that uh, our Annabelle Bonini was a Mason. Yep, that's a fact. Yeah. Terry, uh, something else on Thursday, it's, it's also called... Monday Thursday. Today's also known as Monday Thursday. That's an interesting. Yeah, explain that, Jess. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is the end of Lent, in case people are, are wondering. This is the end of Lent. This is where we begin the sacred tritium, or, or, or what would we call the high holy days of the Christian liturgical year, where we remember and celebrate the passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call that the Paschal Mystery. The Paschal Mystery. Uh, passion, death, and resurrection are of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as as Catholics, the word Monday, by the way, it means the Thursday before Easter. That's what Monday means. It's the Thursday before Easter. This is uh, and the reason, again, Monday Thursday is where we commemorate Jesus Christ's institution of the Eucharist. And it also, again, we also remember the washing of the feet and the priesthood. They, they, Monday, Thursday, essentially, our Lord is 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 giving us a new mandate. Now, but not only for the apostles, but for us as well. So, Holy Thursday, 
It calls us to remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist, the priesthood. Uh, This replaces the Old Testament priesthood. This replaces the Old Testament animal sacrifices because now we have the the Lamb of God uh, died once and for all, never to be sacrificed again at the Holy Mass. We're not sacrificing Him again. This is uh, Calvary made present. And also, Christ teaches us he gives us, uh, as disciples, a model that all of us are called to follow. Uh, and again, I know this would have shocked a lot of people in the first century, the Jewish people, because when a traveler or a guest went into your house, they were always offered water for them to wash their feet. And the washing was usually done by the servants or the slaves of the house. So for Jesus, the teacher and master, to get down on his knees and wash the disciples' feet This was absolutely unheard of, and it was actually scandalous to a first century Jew. And that's why the disciples were kind of shocked and like, what? What are you doing? You're the master. Why are you washing our feet? In fact, we read today, Peter was struggling with this initially. He says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Only (laughs) slaves do that. Exactly. But then Jesus Christ guided him and told him, hey, okay, this is necessary. And so then Peter allowed his feet to be washed by our Lord Jesus Christ uh, you know, when, when, our, when our Lord says, uh, when, when, when Jesus taught Simon how important this was, yes. uh, Simon said, Lord, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Amen. So what we see in today's gospel, this is a model and lesson of discipleship. And it's a great example of Christian love and service that can guide us on how we should live our daily lives to one another. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. We're talking about the source and summit of the Christian life. The Holy Eucharist, the Mass, the Priesthood. Stay with us. We're going to have more to share with you on how to fall deeper in love with Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're talking about the Holy Holy Week, Holy Thursday. Yeah. And and specifically, Terry, uh, I love it. One of the things that that I heard from Father Croppy years ago. And and when he talked about the mass, this really struck me because I never heard anybody else other than him go go into this direction. Yeah. He said that the Holy Mass is a theandric action. Yeah. So I'm saying, what's he talking about? Theandric action. The word theandric means the action of the God-man. So the the Mass being a theandric action, it means that that the action of the God-man, which transcends time and space because he's eternal, this is how Jesus, in the person of the priest, consecrates bread and wine and changes it into his body and blood. Uh, And and, and so I, I just... The, the word theandric means the union of divine and human operation. Awesome. <laughs> so when I heard that, I said, there's Marvel. nothing like this. No, no. There is nothing like this. We encounter Christ at least four ways during Mass. And I learned this from Father Steve, my former pastor. He calls this progressive revelation. He says, you first encounter Christ in the baptized assembly, okay? You walk into the church, all the baptized That's the first encounter with Christ that you have. The second encounter with Christ you have is 
in the person of the priest, in persona Christi. Mm -hmm. So that's now a deeper encounter with Christ. The third encounter with Christ you have is in the liturgy of the Word. Okay? That's a, that's, that's a deep encounter with Christ, with His Word. And then the fourth encounter with Christ, which was the highest, most perfect encounter, is the liturgy of the Eucharist. Amen. Par excellence. That's what the Vatican II calls it. Hey, Jess, just a quick note. Uh, you talk about Father, Har uh, Father Karapi. One priest who really nailed me on this and opened my eyes was Father John Harden, the Jesuit. Mm, okay. And he said that uh, when what happens when you—this uh, is something that will make everybody want to go to Mass today and every day of their life. He says— uh, he said, we should consider what we lose every time you pass up an opportunity to receive Holy Communion, and he says, worthily, okay? Mm. He says, number one, you miss a personal visit with Jesus, the author of all spiritual energy and of all holiness. One of the things that I keep getting people to say to me, they, they go, Terry, where do you get your energy, man? You're like, you're 60-some years old, and you act like you're 20. I said, well, I received the Eucharist, man. I spent time before our Eucharistic King. God's blessed me. Number two, you lose a special, you, you, if you don't go to receive Holy Communion worthily, you lose a special increase of sanctifying grace, which makes your soul more pleasing to God, and which makes you an actual, are you ready? Participator in God's own divine life. Sign me up. These are things that I don't know if people really realize, and you know, that you miss when you don't receive Holy Communion. Another one, and I'll just leave it on the third, and we'll do later the others. You lose a quota of sacramental grace which entitles you to special help in times of temptation and in the faithful discharge of your daily duties. Are you kidding me? Sign me up, Jess. This is why Holy Communion, receiving our Lord worthily, is, is like the greatest thing on the planet. A absolutely. Terry, there's a good short little video that I would recommend oh, yeah. people to watch. It's called <laughs> The Veil Removed. It's outstanding. Yeah, it's it, this is a must for every single oh, yeah. Catholic to watch. It's called The Veil Removed. It's a short little film that reveals the coming together of heaven and earth yep. at Mass. Yep. And it shows the coming, the way the saints see it, the way mystics have seen it, yeah. and the way it's revealed by Scripture and in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Another movie that I would recommend to show to your kids, and you could watch watch it as well, you should, it's called The Great Miracle. Uh -huh. Now, it's in, in Spanish, it's called El Gran Milagro. It's done by a Mexican production company, but it's, it's an animated cartoon of the mass. And it, was, it came out of the, the movies like 10 years ago on the big screen. It went right to the big screen for about, you know, about a whole week. And it was done quite well. It's, it's, it's done in a cartoon format so young people can see the theology of the mass. You can see angels coming down mm -hmm. you can see what happens at the consecration you can see guardian angels walking with you yep. into the church yep. you could also see temptation demonic temptation even in the parking lot people are arguing and fighting before they go to mass uh so thanks be to god there's there's some good videos out there showing again that the holy mass again is uh is 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 a once and for all sacrifice of Christ represented? It's really Terry the most earth shattering event that's ever happened on planet Earth. Yeah, you know Jesse, I have to say that Saint John Paul II did us a favor back in 1980. He wrote a a letter about worship. He said, "The worship given, therefore, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, above all 
accompanies and permeates the celebration of the Eucharistic liturgy. But it must fill our churches also outside the timetable of the Masses. Indeed, since our Eucharistic ministry, ministry was instituted out of love and makes Christ sacramentally present, it is worthy of thanksgiving and worship, and this worship must be prominent in all of our encounters with the Blessed Sacrament, both when we visit our churches and when the sacred species are taken to the sick, the church and the world. Here's the comment he said. This is it. The church and the world and this uh, waits for us in this sacrament of love. He says, let us be generous with our time in going to meet him in adoration and in contemplation. The reason I say this, Jesse, that was a great gift. We live in a world now where this stupid phone, this, my, this phone yeah. is taking a lot of our time away from the worship of God. I'll just be honest with you. Because people are watching YouTube videos. You know, it's always something to titillate us. And what St. John Paul II is, enti- is encouraging us is that we, we have to be generous with our time to adore Jesus. Put aside that. Matter of fact, you know what? Put your phone aside for this Easter tritium. Yeah. Set it aside. Focus on the readings for the liturgy for these three days. Hmm. Spend time, uh, you know, the stations of the cross, thinking about what Christ did for you. Think about this. That if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus Christ would go through the passion just for you. And think of this. If God stopped thinking about you, you'd cease to exist. And you want to look at your iPhone and be titillated? We have to get our priorities in order. And the greatest order is the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. Terry, I give credit to two theologians. One is our friend and one I'd love to meet one day. Yeah. Dr. Scott Hahn and Cardinal Seurat, oh, both, yeah. of them ha- both of them have written books yes, yeah. on the importance, and also, also, you know, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, three oh, people. Yeah, yeah. Three people have written books on the Holy Mass talking about how essential the Holy Mass is to fighting the culture of death, Amen. the culture of lukewarmness. Amen. All three of them in different writings and articles have says, unless we get our worship of heaven oh, yeah. right... We're not going to get order in society. We will continue to get disorder in society and we'll continue to have this culture of death unless we get the proper worship of God as the church intends. Cardinal Saras talked about this and written books on this. Bishop Athanasius Snyder and Dr. Scott Hahn, they know that we're not going to get order in society and we're not going to get... Again, this this healing, as as it says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know, unless my people repent and seek my face, uh, then then and only then will I heal their nation. Well, how is that going to happen when 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 we give God His due in the sacred liturgy? You nailed it, Jesse, and that's what Bishop Athanasius's book, The Catholic Mass, is all about. He takes the early church fathers and explains what they believe what about the mass, and it's so beautiful. We've had a bit of amnesia. Amnesia. We forgot our roots because so many people, young people, for the past 60 years haven't been taught what the Mass is. And this is why I, I value what, you, what you're saying, what Scott Hahn has said, what, um, uh, oh gosh, Cardinal Seurat and others like Bishop Athanasius Snyder, Bishop Strickland is hammering us on the Eucharist and saying we've got to get back to our worship. We've got to worship God right because the way you worship is the way you believe.
Yeah. And bef- I'm looking at, at, at a uh, Gallup poll. Oh, yeah. In 1962, yeah. uh, before Vatican II started in 1962, mm-hmm. 85% of U.S. Catholics before 1962 yep. attended Mass once a week. Why? 85%. How are we doing that? Well, what was going on then? Okay. Yeah. Now, right after the uh, the pandemic scandemic, we had about 20 to 23% of people attending mass on Sunday before the scandemic pandemic Fauci demic. Yep. Right now, we have about 13 to 14% of people going to holy mass. The, that's a Eucharistic crisis. I can't even fathom, Terry. God is here on earth. Yeah. And three out of four Catholics don't even know this. Yeah. Th- this is why I repeat what Bishop Barron said, Jesse. It's a sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. A church that's against being precise about its teaching is a corrupt church. I'm going to be honest with you. We're focusing too much on saving bottles and saving the earth rather than saving souls, okay? That, to me, is a corrupt church, and I'm only going along with what one of the bishops has said. And, and this is why it's important that we go back to the fundamentals. Jesse, 20 years ago I said this. You're a good boxer. What do you tell the guys when you're in training? Work on the fundamentals. Am I right or wrong? That's right, and that's all you need to do as a Catholic, just work on the fundamentals. Yep, that's it. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's this. I mean, there's no brain surgeon to be nope. a Roman Catholic, Terry. No, nope. this is not. Yeah, but going again, again, you know, today the Sacred Tritium. Yep. Uh, get to Mass uh, today, Holy Thursday. Yep. Participate in the liturgies if you can throughout the entire week, throughout Easter Sunday. There's going to be millions of Christians around the world that, that are going to gather to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in His passion, His humiliation, His torture, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is a uh, this is a, a universal celebration <laughs> right. of of, uh, of what Christ did for us, and uh, and so don't make sure you start today worshiping by going to Holy Mass. I've got a good story with Pope Benedict the Sixteenth and Pope John Paul II together about the priesthood. Stay with us; you want to hear this story. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I got a good story. I teased you with it. Uh, St. Pope John Paul II and Benedict XVI, when Benedict was the prefect for the Doctrine of Faith. This happened in 1988, shortly after the Pope returned from a visit to Berlin. And this is what I respect about the priesthood, the bishopry, the Holy Father. When they make a stand, it says, uh, this is a guard. He's uh, one of those um, Swiss guards. He was standing outside the private apartment when the future Pope Benedict XVI, which is Cardinal Ratzinger, stopped for a visit to meet with John Paul II. The Cardinal had been with the Pope in Berlin, where less than a friendly crowd greeted them. Activists staged a huge protest and they threw eggs and tomatoes at the Pope Mobile as it drove by. Jesse, have you seen any eggs and potato eggs uh, and, and tomatoes thrown at at uh, Pope Francis? 
No, I haven't. I'm just. Oh, I, no, I, no, I haven't. Have. No. I, I'm, I'm actually respecting that they threw these because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. While Cardinal Ratzinger waited for admittance to the room, I began to chat with him. This is Benedict. He's a gentle man, shy but friendly and sincere. And that particular day, uh, I asked him about the reception in Berlin that they had given him, and asked him if it was if if it was like. If he was attacked by them, does it bother you to have eggs and tomatoes thrown at you? Didn't it hurt your feelings? Benedict smiled his gentle way and explained, no, because what they were throwing, they weren't throwing it at Carol Wattili or Joseph Ratzinger. They were, they, if, if we weren't standing for what Jesus Christ t- teaches, uh, they would we, never been involved in this message. But they were throwing at exit because of what we stood for. The insults were intended for what we stand and proclaim. It is the Christian faith which has been handed down to us through the centuries. And I love this statement from Benedict. He says, we can't change that because it's difficult. Wow. Great comment, right? He says, we have to live up uh, or, to, or to live up to it. It, it doesn't fit with our, the current cultural trends. We should proclaim it in love. But it's not ours to change. Now that's a story about the priesthood of two prelates who ended up both being popes. But you see, even when under persecution, they said, I don't have a choice. This is what this is what Father Bishop Joseph Strickland says every Tuesday here on the radio. I don't have a choice to change what Christ taught. Hmm. I'm a, because I'm going to be judged by how well I share that message with my flock. And I love that story it articulates what we need more in the priesthood. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, we need uh, we need that type of boldness today. Yep. Yep. Father, or should I say, Cardinal Raniero Cantalamesa? He was the papal preacher for Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Yep. He was their papal preacher. He talks about ten amazing facts about the power of the Eucharist. Yep. I'll just give you the ten bullets. I love it. He says. Here's the amazing effects of the Holy Eucharist. <laughs> yes. Number one, it unites you to Jesus, first and foremost. Number two, it destroys venial sin. How do you like that? Absolutely, man. Number three, it preserves you from mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Number four, it's the most perfect personal relationship with Jesus Christ ever. Number five, it gives you eternal life, or what we call sanctifying grace. Amen, brother. Number six. Check. <laughs> it unites us yeah. with the body of Christ. That's that's you know the mystical body of Christ, those around the baptized around you. Number seven, Saint John Chrysostom says, it also commits us to the poor. Ooh. Okay. It commits us to the poor. Number eight, it gives you spiritual consolation. In other words, you're, you're, it's a foretaste of heaven. Amen. So it produces this incredible joy. Number nine, it floods your soul with peace. Yeah. It floods your soul with peace. And number 10, the Holy Eucharist, reception of the Holy Eucharist, provides a focal point for our lives where you really understand that Jesus Christ is the center of our life. Jesse, I want you to put that on our show page because that is so beautiful. I'll put the Father Harden one up 
And this should be passed along to all Catholics and even non-Catholics to say, man, is that what the Catholics really believe? Man, I'd be on my knees, you know, if, I, if that's really what it is. But I believe, Jesse, this is the kind of stuff that needs to get into people's minds about what takes place. What you said earlier about the angels are present uh, at Mass. Are you kidding me? Yes, the saints, the whole all of heaven opens up at Mass. And, and I think about it because I see so many times that what we see at a normal Mass, unfortunately, is there's no clue of what's happening. There's just no clue. And I feel bad because young people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Mass because they think it's just some ceremony that they're daydreaming on. No, we have to encourage them to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Once they have that understanding of the Eucharist, Jesse, you've seen it and I've seen it over the years. Major conversions. I mean, think about Jess Romero. I mean, I haven't brought this up in years with Jess as kind of wondering, now, which way should I go back in the 80s when I met Jesse? He wasn't quite sure what the Catholic Church actually taught. Right. And you were kind of like, well, let me look at what, what's going on here. But Jesse, when you accepted the Eucharist as the body, blood, soul, and divinity, didn't that, it wasn't that a game changer? Yeah, at that point I said, I'll learn everything else throughout the course of my life. Mm-hmm. But if this is right, yeah. and, and, and I believe it's true based on, tradition and scripture then i'm in yeah sign me up yep yep wow terry also one of the things that's that's very important for us as catholics is that is that some of the names that the saints had given the eucharist it tells you everything (laughs) that you need to know like some of the saints call it the medicine of immortality amen some of the saints call it Food for the journey, Holy Viaticum. <laughs> yes. Other saints call it the antidote against sin. Yep. Other saints call it the bread of angels. I call it soul food. <laughs> I, I, I call it I call it I the fountain it. of youth. Yes. And when you look at the Catholic Church, it's not a museum of the saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Jesus Christ is the divine physician. He has doctors under him called Catholic priests. And the medicine for our souls is confession and communion. Jesse, I want to leave him on John 6. I have it memorized, but I'm going to let you read it. If you want to read John 6, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. That needs to be promoted all the time, not just on Holy Thursday. Once people realize that this is actually Jesus, read the entire chapter. Just yeah. I've read that to Protestants who go and say, well, well, uh, 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 you know, that can't be. Why not? He's God. Yeah, yeah. See, it's funny. Protestants, they, uh, they minimize the power of God when they say, God can do anything except change that bread and wine <laughs> into his body and blood. Then that's not the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible can do anything. Amen, brother. So what, once you put limitations on what God has done, you don't have God. You've created for yourself an idol. Yep. I want to invite those who are in Southern California to come to our vigil, 530 this evening here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. The Anglican Ordinariate will be offering Holy Mass. We'll have adoration, the foot wash. All that will take place here at our chapel. That's what's, what's behind me on my green screen. Uh, Jesse, the final thoughts about um, promoting... This I want to ask people to promote 
the Eucharist when they visit their friends for Easter. For their, we have a big dinner every year, Easter, and I'm sure you do too with family and friends. Yeah. And just bring us up, send the link to this show, because what we just did is we demonstrated very clearly and simply that Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist, and he's inviting us to come and have an intimate union with him. Yeah, it, let me make two verses. Let me connect two Bible verses. Good. So this this good. At the Last Supper, which happened about a year before before the Passion, before his death and resurrection. Right. So about a year before it, in the Last Supper, he says in Matthew 26, 26, our Lord, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and giving it thanks to his disciples, said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Notice, okay. The apostles really didn't know what he was talking about. What's he talking about? We've got to eat his body and drink his blood because they understood that isn't this cannibalism? Isn't this what's prohibited in the book of Leviticus? So they he didn't explain to them what he meant and how this would take place. He let them chew on it for an entire year. They were pondering on this for an entire year. A year later in Capernaum, he says these words, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. It was at that moment that they remembered what he said a year a, a, a year before, uh, and they're saying, oh, excuse me, I, I got it that. He, at Capernaum, Capernaum, this John 6, 53, he said it a year before the Last Supper. Okay, I just inverted it. Yeah. So when he said that in Capernaum, they, what does he mean? We got to eat his body and drink his blood. A year later, at the Last Supper, when he gave the Last Supper discourse, now they said, ah, now we know what he's talking about. He told us a year ago that we had to eat his body and drink his blood. At the Last Supper, a year later... They're saying, this is how it's going to happen at a sacred meal. He's going to give us the power to do exactly the same thing. This is what it's called confecting the sacrament. And at that point tonight, Holy Thursday, he made them priests. And I want to just recommend the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1340. By celebrating the Last Supper with his apostles in the course of the Passover meal, Jesus gave the Jewish Passover its definitive meaning. Jesus passing over to his Father by his death and resurrection, a new Passover, anticipated in the Supper, celebrated in the Holy Eucharist, which fulfills the Jewish Passover and anticipates the final Passover of the Church in the glory of the Kingdom. Wow! Thorsten Summit of the Christian Life, sign me up. Let's get to Mass, let's get to Adoration, let's get to Confession, let's really be in the state of grace receiving our Lord in a worthy manner. Jess, what state, again, should we be living in, brother? We need to be living in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in the state of mortal sin. As Catholics, let's get holy or die trying. Amen, brother. Don't forget Our Lady said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Yeah, that's what happens. We need to pray. We need to make reparation for the sins of the world. Sign me up for that, and I hope he signs you up. Two, Our Lady wants us to the intercessors. May God richly bless you, and I hope your Easter Tritium turns out beautiful and holy.
God love you and your family.